What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap in. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new champion. But I'm better than you. And you know it. D-M-D. Acknowledge me. Well, ding dong, hello. Embrace the vision. And we want the smoke. Lately, he just hasn't been very oozy. Heard worldwide. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Wednesday Worldwide. Worldwide. A proud member of the faction known as the Ringer Wrestling Show. My name is Ben Cruz, and I'm a producer here at the Ringer. With me, as always, are my tag team partners. Senior editor at TheRinger.com, Cal Davenport. And, of course, the super producer here at the Ringer, Brian H. Waters. My guys... Coming off fresh from their Masked Man Show appearance on Monday. I'm going to put both of you on the spot. Who's a better co-host? The GOAT, David Shoemaker, or me? Damn. <laughs> I, you're, uh, and I, I'm no shade to Shoemaker. It's not that David Shoemaker is not organized. I think you're, you're much more, or, like you, you hit me with a dock. You feel me? And it's like the doc is ready by the time we're ready to get on. Shoemaker said, "We, I knew what we was going to be covering, but yeah, towards the end, it was like, oh yeah, wait, what else? Well, we, 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 well there, that, there, there's something else we got to talk about right now, but uh, it's... Uh, I think I, that's I, why <laughs> That's why Shoemaker is the GOAT, though, because he he calls matches on the fly. You know facts, what I mean? Well, again, we, we, <laughs> we, 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 had, we had the tweets on fire. I ain't going to hold you. There was a couple people that was was, was not happy with... Uh, it, it's, it's the conversation about the the bloodline and, and Roman having the title or not, which Needing is the uh, title. It was a good, it was a good show. No, I'm, I'm just messing with you guys. And that was a great show. Great episode. So if you haven't already go check that out, uh, that my guys filled in for, for Kaz who was, uh, who's playing hurt or who's 
Uh, a little under the weather uh, on Monday, you know, a little flu Jordan flu game, but uh, hope, hope he's all right. Couldn't quite hope shake it. Yeah, yeah. He'll, right. Kaz will be back tomorrow on the Mass Man Show. You see that plug? You see w that? plug. I'm w all, plug. I'm all about Damn. it. I'm a company guy. Unlike uh, uh, unlike Jordan, Kaz was really sick. Hashtag Team Scotty Pippen. Here he go. Oh, here here no. go. Get, okay. It's anybody in Chicago? I'm sorry. We 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 are trying to dredge yeah. up old memories. All, all this, all the CM Punk Jordan fans just turned the show off because <laughs> Brian just alienated this. all of them. Uh, but everyone in Utah now, all of those oh, they're just they're they're locked in. The, the Jazz hype. fans, super super locked in. Uh, before we get to the rest of the show, uh, we need to uh, kind of bring it down actually a little bit and, and acknowledge the uh, the passing of a legend, uh, the Iron Sheik. You know, it was, it was announced literally a few minutes before we started recording uh, mm -hmm. that he has, you know, unfortunately passed away at the age of eighty one. Uh, and, and you know, before we get to the rest of the show, you know, Cal Brian just wanted to toss it over to you guys and. And talk through any favorite memories that you have of the Iron Sheik and you know everything that he accomplished. Brian, you you met Brian. You said you just you before we started recording. You said you recently just watched a documentary, right? Yeah, um, one of the specials that they had on I think it was HBO or Amazon. I watched it, and it was obviously a little bit older, but you know you just appreciate everything that he went through. Um, I know that uh, when. We was in Nashville, The Undertaker. We we had the uh, pleasure of going to one of The Undertaker's, um, his sessions, for lack of a better word. And he talked about the Iron Sheik and his discipline of waking up every morning and, you know, essentially freezing out The Undertaker uh, before, you know, because he was up working out, meditating and praying. And uh, I met him back in 2008. And I really wish I, I could have, like, appreciated at the time. Uh, but it was at an MCW Pro Wrestling show. And he was just, you know, doing signs and speaking to everybody. And I remember, you know, going up to him, shaking his hand. And that was it. Didn't get a picture. But I just remember him being such a nice guy. And I was like, at one point, he was, like, the biggest heel in wrestling. But, you know, right. you, you see all the Twitter shenanigans, and it's always fun. That's what I'm going to really miss, to be honest with you. Like, I'm a fan of Double H. But... It's always funny when you see what he has to say about him each and every chance he gets. The thing is, is I, I was trying to remember how it's been about like seven to nine years ago. I can't, I don't remember the exact year, but there was one, it, it may actually, it may have been around the time where he was promoting that documentary. Cause I do have a, uh, I have it somewhere. I've got a, like a little poster size. He signed it of, um, of the, 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 pro, the, the promo poster, but, uh, this I was very green. This might have been one of my first on-camera interviews back at my 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 old job. And they said, Iron Sheik's coming in. Cal, you like pro wrestling? You want to talk to the Iron Sheik? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to talk to Iron Sheik. Now they like they they wanted the game, like the interview was more of a gamified, like they wanted to have the Sheiky baby that like the viral sensation that you saw on the timeline. They wanted that persona to like react to internet stars of the day, the Justin Bieber's and that stuff. Iron Sheik did the sad part was Iron Sheik didn't know or care about any of that stuff. When I started asking Iron Sheik pro wrestling conversation questions, he was like, you know, we had like there was like a little moment and I got to take a photo. Gosh, I'll have I'll share this, but uh 
they were like, take a photo. They're like, do you want to have the chic? You know, do you want to like, what do you want to do for the photo? And I was like, I don't know. Like, you want to have the chic put you in a camel clutch? So there's like, oh. but like you remember this, this was only like, he was already in the seventies. So like we had the gimmick away, but I'll send the photo, there's a photo of, uh, of the iron Sheik, And, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sell it as best as I can. You know, the, the pain in my face from being in the, in the camel clutch or whatever, but nah, like, uh, you talk about that transitional champion. And cause that was a moment. I mean, you know, we see it all the time now. Uh, uh, a star has a title or, or a champion has a title. They've had it for too long. Someone's got to take the belt off them before the next star comes and grabs the title. Like that was kind of the best example of that is the iron Sheik being the one to fall to Hogan to literally start Hulkamania. But it's, it, it's one of those things where because that happened so long ago, when sites like YouTube and 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 the internet started to pour through a lot of, you know, the past like 30, 40 years before it, Iron Sheik just his wild, you know, he was doing all the, the shoot interviews, his promos, you know, he was just a a very loud and boisterous character. He had so, so much charisma as a heel. I remember seeing in the documentary, he had what are those uh he was doing that workout where he had those big clubs or whatever. He was like swinging them behind his back and whatnot. Like he was just like a, a, a different character. And I, it was always amazing for me to see people gravitate towards that in his, you know, in his later life, you know, it probably helped him uh, continue to, to, to stay in, in, in the spotlight, just uh, being able to be the person firing off the, the, you know, X, Y, Z is a jabroni or, you know, F this right. job or what, whoever was, you know, causing the world trouble. So, you know, it was getting that information. It's like a gut punch, but you know, rest in peace to the chic, you know, you've, uh, you definitely did your thing on this earth, sir. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, you know, getting, getting to the age of 81, uh, as a professional wrestler is, is, is a, I think, a huge accomplishment in and of itself. Uh, we all know kind of what, you know, the long-term effects sometimes, especially of, of guys of that era. Uh, and, you know, some people haven't, ma- haven't made it to, you know, their 80s. Uh, and so shout out to, to Sheik um, and, you know, RIP you know, to, uh, to an absolute legend. Absolute um, legend. You know, th- thanks, thanks, guys, for sharing that. that was, those, those, those are freaking awesome. Uh, yeah. But let's... Let's kind of transition here and, and, and let's kick things off our usual way here with some high spot headlines. And you all know the deal. I'm going to read out some of the biggest headlines of the week in the world of professional wrestling. And whoever wants to tag in and let their thoughts fly, will let it fly. First up, Liv Morgan confirms she has a, quote, torn shoulders. This is probably an injury around her rotator cuff. Uh, she confirmed this on the Up Up Down Down live stream that they had on, over the weekend on Saturday. Uh, that you know, Up Up Down Down, a, a channel that I, I consume on the daily. So it was it was surprising that she she addressed it. Uh, she was actually in the title match for the Up Up Down Down Championship, which she uh, unfortunately lost. But I mean, uh, Brian, you know, her injury has really kind of sent the the women's tag division kind of uh down a path that I think no one was expecting. I think they were they were probably ready to keep the titles on Liv and Raquel for for a little bit. I mean, does her injury bring concern in in your eyes for for the women's tag division or just the women's division in general? 
No, not at all, to be honest with you. Um, I think that, you know, she'll heal up and she'll get that big pop when she comes back. Dare say, I hate to use this word, but maybe she was getting a little stale. Oh, see, anyway. now we got to fight Brian Squires. We got to fight <laughs> and, and, and I know that's your girl, but, you know, I, and maybe, maybe stale is the wrong word, you know. I think she hadn't reached that second layer of... Because she is someone that I've noticed, like, just watching the little girls on TV and, you know, even mine, they love her. But I think that there was another layer that had to be reached. But putting it on pause, I think she will reach that layer. Personally, I felt the women's tag division was booked a little backwards. I would have put the tag titles on Shayna and Ronda before. And then when Liv and... Raquel or whoever you partnered her with would have taken the titles. It would have been a huge pop. I think we'll get that eventually when she comes back, but I don't think um, she puts the tag division on hold. Yeah. I mean, it was actually interesting because remember that they, they won and that, but that one was really, that win was really the setup for Becky Trish. You know what I mean? So, uh, right. you know, it was, I, I, I don't want to say it wasn't supposed to happen, but it definitely doesn't feel like it was uh, destined for them to have the title. Again, you know, RIP Iron Sheik looks like they probably, they could have been, you know, the transitional champions, you know, it's just maybe this wasn't the way it was supposed to go down. But uh, I, I don't, I hate the, the term stale, but I understand what you're saying, Brian H. Waters. Uh, we live has been rocking. I mean, throughout the pandemic, the last, you know, two, three years, she's really, she, the level that we were hoping she would get past, she she's kind of been hovering there for the last so for the last like three years. I remember when I was a fan, when I started to become a fan, um, early into the Riot Squad era, maybe even a little before mm-hmm. that. Um, it, there weren't so many people that were flocking to live like that, but it's been amazing to see once she started, you know, with the candy and everybody wanted to have the blue tongue, and you know, it started from there, and she's been able to, you know, change and really step up to the point where there are a lot of people who were doubting her in ring. They were saying, damn, you know, that that step up in Zagiri is kind of hard. Or, you know, I like the way, you know, she, she's really, you know, taking risks and getting real aggressive. She was wrestling hard. So, I mean, you know, this is a part of the game, but I do think this is a blessing in two ways. On the one, Liv can take some time to, you know, rest, recoup, maybe even, you know, figure out, you know, if she wants to make a change or do something a little different, now's the time for that re-debut to really, you know, build up to that because she's got that cachet from being a champion and a tag champion and everything. But also, this op- this forces WWE and Ronda and Shayna to, to pick up on that conversation we had last week. We don't want the women's division looking away. You guys have the rock. Right. Lead, lead us somewhere different. Lead us, and, mm. and that's going to be on everybody kind of trying to step up and, and continue to Did, keep women's tag team wrestling a thing. Y'all see that match Monday night? <laughs> I, I, let's keep it going. Again, yeah. it's, it, 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 I, again, I hate saying blessing in disguise for, uh, for injuries, but you know, there are things that there are, you know, certain benefits. And one of them is forcing WWE to kind of cha- shift the, the, the women's division and go into a direction with it. Absolutely. Do you guys think she's got another world title run in her future? Absolutely. Multiple. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, we, I think so, too. Liv is... Uh, is, is it, staying healthy is going to be key. You know, it's always, that, that's always a fear, the bounce back after an injury and whatnot. But she was getting better every year. You could see her 
in the gym training, you know, trying to perfect her in ring. And because I don't know what the age range is. I'd have to go back and look at the women's division. But Liv's kind of, you know, she's she's gaining tenure as this women's division is is, is shifting right. in and out, especially in terms of being an on-camera talent. So it's mm-hmm. they're more than likely going to have to lean on her at some point, even if it's just to say, oh, we got to do a quick surprise before we, you know, flip the record over and go on to, you know, who we have on track for 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 a title or what have you. Next, Liv can slide right in, hold a belt for a bit, and then, you know, you know, take him into the next level. But like Brian said, I think the hope is you also have to elevate Liv and get her to you get her past where she's been over the last couple of years. Yeah. No, that's that that's fair. And I mean, she's so charismatic in and out of the ring. Like it's 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 wild. Brian and I uh we we met her at SummerSlam last year and it was just mm-hmm. i mean it, she's l- literally the same person obviously she's you know turned up to 11 when she's right. on camera and in the ring but it's that same person you know off camera and but it her charisma just kind of oozes out and, and it, it's fan- it, you get why people and and you know fans gravitate towards her right 100%. also oblivion is an I love that finisher. <laughs> it, it, it's, it hits. It hits every time. Got it's Facts. a great name for a finisher. So uh, you know, it's it'll it'll. You know, I'm, I'm glad that they were kind of able to identify exactly what uh, is is ailing Liv, and hopefully she can come back soon. It, it doesn't sound like it's you know it's not going to be before SummerSlam, unfortunately, uh, and it's it looks like this is kind of a four to six month range injury, and you know. All, all shouts out to her for uh, as she's on this road to recovery. But you know she's mm-hmm. uh she's she's dope. She's she's great and um b- big bummer that she had to kind of have this bump in the road. But she'll she'll bounce back. She'll bounce mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Next up here on High Spot Headlines, WWE is quote slowly building Grayson Waller. Cal. Grayson Waller, as we all know, is David Shoemaker's best friend uh, at this point. <laughs> um, is, are, are, is WWE avoiding some of their past missteps with NXT call-ups in the way that they're they're kind of framing this Grayson Waller call-up to SmackDown? Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's probably... The, the Grayson Waller... We'll probably end up calling it the Grayson Waller effect if, if he succeeds. He's It's probably the best example of what I felt is the best use of NXT with the way, because even looking at last night's show, Dana Brooks on our screen, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mustafa Ali's on our screen. Bear, like the interplay is great. And the key interplay is Braun Breaker calling out Seth. Not saying that I, 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 I don't know what the dynamics of that'll be. And we could talk about a lot of that stuff later, but I, the, the, the core of it is we're building these stars and we're instead of throwing them out to the crowd and hoping that something sticks or hoping we can figure it out while they're out there, we're going to build them in NXT while we start to build that track into the main roster. My hope is that at the end of the day, the main it's it's a greater appreciation. It's It's not like, oh. If you don't watch NXT, you don't know who Kevin Owens NXT champion is walking down the the runway. This gives people a little opportunity to even to get even more invested in the homegrown talent that WWE is cultivating. I don't know. I I I applaud it, but I'm a I'm a I'm a man of patience. 
And I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm a man of, I, I like long-term storytelling. So I'm, I'm a okay with the slow build as long as, you know, they know what they're doing and we're going to get some, you know, uh, great development out of, cause Grayson is one of those guys. You bring them up a lot, Ben. Grayson is one of those guys that, uh, people should be having their eyes on. No, absolutely. Which is why it was surprising that he was one of the draftees that was that didn't happen on the show, right? He was kind of one of these right. off-show draftees because, mm-hmm. I mean, you figure he's he was kind of next up in terms of being a top-flight heel on mm-hmm. the main roster. But Brian, where where do you stand on on Grayson Waller? What's his ceiling on the main roster? I'm, I'm. This is a wait and see for me. Uh, I can see you know them being invested. He's not, like, when I saw Braun Breaker, I was like, oh, Instant Star, Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams. Grayson yeah. Waller didn't do that for me. Even um, J.D. McDonough, right? Mm-hmm. He's somebody that just caught my attention. Grayson Waller, he just works, and every time I turn around, it's like, oh, okay, I like that. Oh, I like that. Especially, like, the stuff he's doing, like, with the wrestling club. Shout out mm-hmm. to Victor Perry. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think... Word. Just his ability to like really jump into the social media waves of things makes it fun. So I'm I'm this is a wait and see for me. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt very similar to you, Brian, early on in Grayson's kind of upward trajectory, but he really won me over toward the end there, uh, kind of in his feud with with Mello, um, and just being a he was a really good chicken shit heel. Uh, and and he just he's I think he's gonna figure that out even more uh on the main roster with just more more room to play, I guess, mm-hmm. if you will. And I, I do think it is smart that they're slowly doing this with him, right? Because they've they've kind of rushed into a lot of these NXT guys and girls uh mm-hmm. in the past. And you know, I, I like like you guys definitely still in a wait-and-see holding pattern with him, right? Like, there's still a lot of room for error where he, the the, the character mm-hmm. c- can fall flat on his face, um, you know, kind of with the, in the, with the big lights of SmackDown and, you know, obviously everything kind of rotates around Roman on that show. But, uh, again, he's, uh, he, and, and this may be a little bit of bias, but when, he, when we saw him at Wally Mania, uh, he kind of walked in when he walked in. There's just like the star aura around him where mm. I was like, oh, I kind of get it now. Okay. And maybe that's just not coming through on TV fully yet, but I think it's slowly starting to. I missed that uh, moment. So, so I- <laughs> oh, no, it was, it was, that, that's where I think the friendship between Grayson Waller and David Shoemaker officially started. Uh, that's where it uh, yeah, it was just this beautiful moment that I got to, I got to witness. Uh, but last one. Here on High Spot Headlines, Jake Roberts says, Bret Hart's interviews were poor at best. He just wasn't a champion to me. Brian H. Waters is decked out in a fire Bret Hart shirt right now. He did not know that this was, this was one of the things we would be talking about today. So it's, it's just a perfect, a perfect setup for me to toss it over to him. Brian... Defend the excellence of execution. What is Jake Roberts talking about here? Interviews. Interviews specifically. Interviews Interviews specifically. specifically. You know... Start there. I have a a saying that I don't argue Bret Hart with anybody born after 1992. Mm. Okay. There was a time I remember I was sitting in my basement 
And I was watching Cal and friends talk about <laughs> the greatness that is Brett the Hitman Hart. And one of the uh, points that came up that I'm going to borrow from that is when Bret Hart's interviews was going on, you believe that she was getting ready to watch him go into the fight of his life. Right. Just because Jake the Snake talked very slow and tried to trick you with his mind, that was his style. Bret Hart's style was, I'm going to get in your face and I'm going to beat you up and I'm going to put you in a sharpshooter and make you scream and tap out because I come from the dungeon where my dad used to make me scream. Right. And yeah. so when he's right. saying this, and then, you know, I looked at he's talking about Shawn Michaels and he's talking about Bret Hart and then he brings up Diesel was champion. Do we not remember if we want to go by the books and the business being bad at the time, brother? Diesel <laughs> was the less drawn champion out of the three of them. Mm. Oh, by the way, he's seven foot tall. And there's no disrespect to Kevin Nash. It was just the position of the business. Bret Hart was put in that position to reprogram the audience after, you know, the scandal. Right. But he was believable. And even before Bret Hart was a world champion, for me, it was watching his interviews with his brother-in-law, the British Bulldog, watching his interviews, getting ready for his matches with Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 1991, the match that made Bret Hart into a solidified single superstar. So I know I can go on and on about Bret the Hitman Hart. You know. And then if I need to go even further, I'm going to easily pick up the phone and call the best lawyer in the world, Stack Guy Greg, because he's going to defend him. That's facts. That guy, Greg, would lock Jake the Snake in a sharpshooter immediately <laughs> upon hearing this. And yep. it, would, it would make for great content if we could Hell get that yeah. on video. Cal, I'll throw it to you for the back half of this uh, this quote from Jake. He just wasn't champion to me. I I, I just don't understand that. Can you provide any any clarity as to what Jake could possibly be talking about here with Brett? I My only thought, and I mean, I don't know, because they were there. Well, you figure what? Jake was there. Jake was there. He may have been a little bit more popular as a solo star before Brett really started popping as like the excellence of execution mm-hmm. and the hitman and stuff like that. So I and Jake a lot of the time was either like the setup guy for the world champion, the guy going against the world champion, or the guy going against the world champion every now and again. So I, I don't know if he's old school. A world, a professional wrestling world champion should be of this stature and have you know this, and he shouldn't say this and that. I'm assuming he he his his I, what he pictures a world champion is not Hitman Bret Hart, but mm-hmm. part of I don't want to I I don't know if it's jealousy, but I do know that Jake was there at a time and he never became world champion. And Brett kind of went in and not only became world champion, but in a lot of eyes became, you know, the greatest person to be walking those halls at that time and after. Um, And then Jake was still kind of not only in the same position, but he was kind of going a little bit lower in terms of just status as a pro wrestler on the roster. I, I don't know if there's animosity or whatnot, but it, stuff like that is kind of glaring, but I'm, I'm going to just assume that, Bret Hart isn't the Hulk Hogan ultimate warrior Rick Rude esque person that he that Jake would assume would have been the world champion at that time. Um, looking like somebody that could hold that wing eagle, but um, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the guys who run 
the company that Jake was doing his last TV work for would have a totally different concept of Bret Hart as world champion. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of just like what, you know, everybody's opinion at the end of the day. Ooh, you know? <laughs> I like the way you worded that. I'm just saying, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's uh, the, um, the school of Bret and Sean is real. And mm-hmm. the fact that a lot of, if you look at the four pillars match, it wasn't, I imagine Jake Roberts probably doesn't think any of those four, maybe MJF, but he probably doesn't really think those people are world champion compared to, you know, who he said, Lance Archers and, and, and the Luchasauruses. He probably would assume people like that would be, I'm guessing anyway, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm just going based off of what I'm seeing and, and what people have said about Brett and uh, those people like that. But they, there were a lot of people who probably didn't think they could have been pro wrestlers who emulated Brett and emulated Sean, and, and now they're the ones that are on top. I mean, he takes shots at Sean in this diatribe too, right? I mean, yeah. he, he talks about Brett's, and he, he's asked to compare them, and then he just kind of goes in a little harder on Brett, kind of he shitting on wanna, his mic skills. Right, because he didn't want to even compare him at all, right? Yeah, he, I mean, the question that kind of prompted this whole take was who's a better performer sean or brett and he said at first he said neither he said and neither he, which is again just it's wild just the, brett and sean are two of the two of the best of all time uh but you, on on most people's dance cards right but, but you see you see where like with a with a statement like that you can kind of see where he's you, you can insinuate where he's coming from based off of that because if you're not sure. if you're gonna downplay both of them who were you going to build up mm-hmm Right, and he compares both of them to Bruno, right? And he's like, he's that's that's one of the the biggest quotes from this 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 uh, interview or whatever is that yeah. he says neither of them are Bruno. So that's the baseline that he's kind right. of going right. off of, right? So it's so it's it's interesting. No, I was gonna say Bruno was five ten. <laughs> yeah, and, and I get he was two hundred sixty five pounds, so you know he was a you know considered heavyweight. But like I, I remember dealing with this when. Daniel Bryan was on his rise and people would say, but he's not big enough. And like, I thought we had let all of that go. But Bruno was 5'10". You would have thought that this dude was 6'7". You know what I mean? Yeah. These little facts, especially for his... Actually, I'm pulling it up now. Do you think... Because there was... He's held the belt for like four years. We're talking 2,800, eight year, almost an eight-year run. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. And this would have started... Let's see, this eight-year run was in 63. So do you think in like 1965, 66, like whatever the equivalent of Twitter or Instagram were doing those like, oh, MSG in, you know, 1970 to Bruno San Martino's theme music playing. Like, do you think they were pissed that Bruno was a champion for years and years back then? The way they are with Roman Reigns being a thousand plus now? There was definitely less content back then, so I think they were just happy with whatever they could get. So it was every six months they were like, "Shit, he's still champion." <laughs> right? That's what, that's like you what wouldn't find out until you got to the show. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. yeah. No, it's. I had uh, a cousin say he cried when Bruno lost after having it all those years. Cried. He cried. Well, we see a lot of people crying. It's mostly kids now, but you know, right. uh, he was kind of get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, they cried with, did they cry when Bob Backlund lost the title is the question. Oof. Yeah, I got to ask him. He would have been a teenager by the time Backlund. He probably champion. didn't care. Yeah. I'm going to assume probably people hit him didn't to the care. business by then. 
They're the very, like Bob Baxham. He may have been stale at that point. That's what it feels like, right? They needed to change. Anyway, I'm sorry. Baby. I don't want to derail. I don't want to derail. That's right. Well, to wrap up this take, we've now got to hit up that guy, Greg, and see if he's interested in a a one-on-one with Jake Roberts because I can't, I can now, now remove the image of him locking Jake Roberts in a sharpshooter uh, out of my head. And we, I think we just need to make it happen. Greg, that guy, Greg, if you're listening, let's do this. (laughs) Let us know. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What? There it is. You heard the drop. It is now time. They said what? The three of us have listened to The Masked Man Show and Cheap Heat, as I'm sure all of you fine listeners have as well, because you're already subscribed to our wonderful feed here on The Ringer Wrestling Show. But we get to do something I'm sure you all wish you could do from time to time. We're going to respond to a take dropped by the likes of the legendary David Shoemaker, Kaz, Peter Rosenberg, Stack Guy, Greg, or Dip. And for today's edition of They Said What, we're going with our guy, Peter Rosenberg, over on Cheap Heat. A shout out to uh, Uncle Nate at MT Stewart 4 on Twitter for bringing this clip to our attention. <laughs> Brian H. Waters, play the clip. He is the most derivative character in all of pro wrestling. Everything, oh my God. everything he says is from something else. Like, you're just like, I've seen that. Oh, I know that. Oh, the elbow. I've seen that elbow. Oh, I've seen that move. I've seen that. He's like an amalgamation. He's a a PC 2023 version of Eugene. Damn. And and he's he's talking about LA Knight. Talking about uh, LA Knight. Which is... PC Eugene. PC Eugene (laughs) is a term that I didn't think we would hear in 2023. Uh, just a Eugene reference, I think, is is well, always uh, I'm, shocking to the system. To get Uncle Nate to hit us up on Twitter, to not even he didn't even link to. I, I, it was so repug. I guess he felt he didn't even link to the to the podcast. He just said, <laughs> "Hey, find Check this on this episode because I don't feel this." I mean, I, I I imagine people would feel a way, but if if we're looking specifically at the aspect of an amalgamation of of different aspects of of people in pro wrestling history it's it's it makes sense i it, it where people get cuz i'm like ben you're a fan of la night right i am yeah big does, big la night guy does hearing la night is the pc eugene like does that like do you get pissed off when you hear that i don't know if pissed off is the right term i disagree i think he's 
is far better than anything Eugene, the character, ever was or ever meant. I mean, look, this dude, one of my things now is just how organically guys and girls can get over, right? Whether that's as a heel or as a face. And sometimes, you know, the in-between. And look, I think they're trying to package LA Knight as kind of like a heel, as a heel character, right? Obviously, he mm-hmm. he's now qualified for money in the bank after some shenanigans with, with Tez. But the fact that he is this over just re- removes him from the Eugene territory. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not even close to it. Now, if you want to talk about is he just a combination of certain of our favorites from the past. I don't even know if I disagree with that. I think he's starting to carve out his own lane and just become LA Knight. You know what I mean? I, 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 I saw a guy, I was at Disneyland over the past weekend, saw a guy with an LA Knight shirt, which again, all, all anyone who's a wrestling fan, I'm sure you guys agree, when you see another person with a wrestling shirt on in the wild, but just in life, it's a, it's a thrill. Yelled mm-hmm. out all I, from afar. He was not. He wasn't that close to me. Just yelled out, "Yeah!" Turned his head, yelled it back, and it was just. It was just a wholesome interaction. But the, the yeah. yeah thing is becoming. It's becoming a thing. And all due respect to you know what the Eugene character provided at that at that time, which again, the, what it, it's hard to talk about sometimes because the Eugene character was just. It was. It was just kind of a rough rough go at that time and obviously there was like the rock involvement and coach and everything else but LA Knight is not even in the same stratosphere as like a Eugene comparison in my opinion I don't know if where you where you guys stand Brian I see you smirking you over said there it all. what do you got <laughs> you said yeah. it all. <laughs> no I, I, I you know agree I'm gonna break the uh, fourth wall right here and, and if y'all tell me to take this out I will <laughs> it's like seven in the morning and maybe 7.30, closer to 8. And I see the tweet. And then Cal sends the tweet to the group chat. And then he says, I can't wait for Ben to go in. And I'm looking at the times. <laughs> I'm like, 7, subtracted 3. Wait, that was 4-something over there. I hope Ben is asleep. I said, oh, this is going to be fun when he wakes up. When he wakes up, yeah. yeah. Literally, <laughs> some shocking shit to wake up to on a Wednesday morning. So, Just Exactly. Because all, I saw, all I saw was... I saw just 11 text messages in our group chat. Like, oh, no, what happened? Did something happened. And then, oh, something happened. <laughs> and it was... So, Peter, we, we love Rosenberg here. We of do. Of course. He's the man. I just... And look, we don't have to agree on everything with everyone who, who is on the Ring of Wrestling show feed here. This, right. is, this might have been a, one of the most hard disagrees I've had. With Rosenberg and man, just the LA night. I, I take it as slander at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's wild. It's it's wow. It's, it was it was a shock to the system. Yeah, but we're gonna. <laughs> I, Boom. I think we're exactly we're <laughs> we're gonna wrap it there before on on the LA night thing before this kind of goes off the rails even more. But we're going to go. To the Wednesday Worldwide Hotline for another They Said What Take. Because we got a good one. We got a good one from from our guy. Is it Seth here, Brian? Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) Brian H., play the clip. Hey, guys. My name's Seth. Uh, 
got a pretty hot take here. I think they're just kind of in a holding pattern with the bloodline story. It's weird. Uh, I mean, I know we just had the thousand day celebration on Friday and I watched it, but we kind of didn't get any answers to any questions. Really, we got more questions. Uh, you know, Solo was already standing with Roman. I mean, I get we didn't know it was his brothers and everything. Jay was already torn, but still stood by his brother like he's been doing. And the only thing we got was Jimmy kind of standing up, putting his face, putting his hand to Roman's face. So, I don't, I mean, I feel like I've got more questions than I did answers. And now we've got to wait another week to see if anything happens. But that's my hot take. Thanks, guys. Love listening to y'all. Have a great time. Damn, shout out to Seth, man. I love that. that. Shout out to Seth. Love the accent. Uh, what? Okay, bloodline. Let, let's have let's let's have the discussion. Cal mm-hmm. Brian is losing it. <laughs> He's still in LA nightlife. Um, <laughs> bloodline. No, I, yeah. no. The the voicemails are my favorite because people people they, shouts out to people watching because I I Seth had a point. I don't know mm-hmm. if I if if it's a holding pattern, but. Bloodline, when we're in a situation where Roman is the undisputed WWE Universal Champion, unless you see one of those three actually taking that title from him, uh, we're probably in a let's chill for a little bit until we get the next challenger, you know, from from the SmackDown side, whoever it's going to be ready. Um, That's kind of been... The problem in WWE, right? Like somebody, if if there was somebody built enough as a character to knock Roman off the pedestal, they would have done it already. You know what I mean? And and it's it's who who can do it right now? Who would you put as a viable contender to the the undisputed WWE Universal Championship at Money in the Bank right now? Mind you, that's in like three weeks. Do you mean a non-bloodline? Yeah, somebody individual? who's not in the bloodline that could ch- that you would have to challenge Roman for the title at the O2 Arena in, in overseas, London, London Town. I feel like the only one that makes sense from a resume standpoint is probably AJ, uh, where I would believe that he deserved it. I mean, I'm just always trying to book Montez Ford into that spot, but mm. they seem to be just locked in on him as a tag team wrestler for the yeah, so they, future. They booked him out of that spot. Right, exactly. So I would probably go AJ. I mean, I would have gone LA Knight, but apparently he's just a PC Eugene. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I'm allowed to book him in there. It's tough. I mean, it's, I, I, like I said, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, Brian, is there somebody that you think could, could be that viable contender right now? No, that's the point right now. So the holding pattern, right? I understand what he's saying, but y'all know, y'all know I love this bloodline story, right? And mm-hmm. it's taking me for a ride each and every time. But right now, the championship isn't about defending against other contenders. It's about the establishment of Roman being the head of the table. See, right now, it's taking us back to when he first won the title. If you think mm-hmm. about it, when he first won the title... Yeah. He had to constantly show it to Jimmy and say, this is what I feed the family with. This is how I put food on your children's tape plates. And 
with the Usos getting out of line right now, you have to double back to that. So it's not necessarily right. a holding pattern from a booking standpoint. It's just storytelling. I, I was right there, WrestleMania. Roman said, we just in the second inning. Shout out to Jonathan Snowden for that wonderful piece on the ringer.com where it Salute. details, and he says in 20 years when they unravel the curtain, we all going to be amazed by it. So I'm just living right. this right now. I'm enjoying it. I don't think it's a holding pattern. I think it, the bigger part of the story is he has to get the family in line right now. And because he's this like dynamic character, if we can play into the storyline and let's kayfabe for a little bit. Nobody want to see Roman right now because he's going to be a menace. And it's like, wait, if he's doing that to his cousins, I don't want to bother him. Now, granted, it's cracks in the bloodline, quote unquote. But I don't want, I don't want to mess with that. Mm. Well, I, I think the it, the story did advance actually on Friday mm-hmm. because, you know, after obviously after Night of Champions, you know, you're, you're wondering what the fallout is after Jimmy super kicks him, and the one thing that you're wondering is, you know, where does Solo stand? Because Solo wasn't the one who was super kicked. And those are his brothers, right? right. Where is he going to stand? And, you know, Jimmy tried to come out uh, on SmackDown and and not make peace per se, but, say, you know, it, this is something that needed to happen because of where you were going, right? He was just trying to check his cousin. And, you know, we've all had those moments with family. You have a, you have a little blow up, but you come back together. And, you know, there's probably the assumption that, oh, th- that wasn't necessarily the end of the of the bloodline or the actual cracks, right? right? It, that it could still be kind of sewed back together. That is now not a possibility, right? Like, there is now a distinct there's a line. Yeah. yeah, there's a distinct rift. The, the Usos are on one side. Uh, Roman, Solo, and Paul Heyman are on the other. And that's right. the, that's like, that's the Civil War poster, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. when, when there's that's the actual clash. So I, I do think it was a small advancement in the storyline, but I do think there was some advancement of it. And, and you know, to, to Brian's point earlier, it's the second inning. If, if this is the second or third inning for this Bloodline stuff, it's still, I, I guess that was, you know, back in, in April. Maybe we're like, maybe we're approaching like the fourth or fifth inning. Still yeah, only like half, at least no, a, not even halfway over. Right. So right. there's we got still time. plenty to go. Yeah, yeah. Still, still plenty to go. Uh, a big shout out to, to Seth and Seth. everyone else who's left us a voicemail with their, they said what takes, uh, you know, we, we can't get to, to all of them, but we promise we're trying. We're li- I think it's Brian's highlight of the week. When he sees another one come through, he immediately sends it into the group chat Throws and just chat, says, yeah. you guys, you guys got to listen to this. So, <laughs> Pete, the description of this episode for the phone number to call in, drop in your take, and we'll do our best to get them on the show. I need to catch my breath from this uh, and look up just exactly how close LA Knight is to being a PC Eugene. But we're gonna, <laughs> while, while I do that, we're going to take a quick, quick break. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important 
to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. And we are back. It is now time to welcome our special guests. They are the co-creators of the incredible documentary series, Dark Side of the Ring, which is now in its fourth season on Vice. We've got Evan Husney and Jason Eisner. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us here on Wednesday Worldwide. Yeah, hey, thanks man. Thanks so us. much for having us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. This is, it's a big thrill for uh, for the three of us. We were, we were talking about uh, the show last week, and and you know even before that. So it's awesome to have you both on. And and as as we get into it, last night, uh, episode two of season four of Dark Side of the Ring, which is called Shattered, uh, the Magnum TA story, aired, That's right. and and just an- another fantastic episode. Uh, and and I I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. But um, I, I do want to get both of your perspectives on on Magnum TA himself. Uh, and, and one of my biggest, I guess you could say, non-spoiler takeaways from the episode was just how freaking like over this dude was yeah. In, yeah. in 85 and 86, right? And, and so if, if there's a wrestling fan out there listening right now who maybe wasn't quite as dialed in during the mid 1980s who would you compare his his <sighs> meteoric rise there and and his popularity to in in terms of current day professional wrestling and and I don't know we, you we can use like a I don't know 10 to 20 year scope or however however long but Evan I'll I'll, I'll throw it to you first and Jason I'd love your thoughts as well <laughs> right after that's tough I mean um I don't know. That's going to be tough. Uh, yeah. You know, Magnum, Magnum, you know, was a guy who really had the total package. And I think one thing that you really see in the episode is the creation of, you know, Jim Crockett promotions, you know, which would become WCW, but yeah. they're sort of matinee star. They're looking for their big action movie star, if you will, that's going to lead the company as the the new generation, the a, a, a younger talent to come in to be their big star, to win, to eventually win the world title, and to help them in the competition, you know, against WWF, right? Which is just about to start. I mean, which is well into their expansion, and Hulk Hogan's you know running wild and stuff. Right. But, you know, WWF is more of the sort of cartoony 80s, you know, primary colors, heightened, you know, (laughs) side of wrestling where, you know, Jim Crockett promotions is the tough street, violent chains, you know, mullets and mustaches. It's, it's a harder edged version of, of wrestling that, that, that Southern style. But, you know, Magnum TA is one of those big, what if stories. And I guess like, I'm trying to think of somebody in like a modern day sense that I could, I could, that's like an equivalent to Magnum. But I would I sort know, of say I, like, 
Yeah. It's tough. I would sort of say, like, obviously, you know, I mean, we kind of have to address the fact that, you know, Magnum's story is well known because, you know, he is, like I said, he's a what-if story. He had a he had a car accident that you know completely de- you know derailed his career. He was set up to be the world champion, but had he right. not had that accident and had he gone on, I would sort of equate him to probably the star level. He probably would have achieved like the star level of like a Sting in the nineties. You know, I'm not saying that like aesthetically he would look like he they have the same aesthetic, but just I'm I'm sure that he would have been that level of household name. If, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, to right. yeah, yeah. another totally. homegrown WCW kind of talent, you know, no, no, would have been hundred percent. To cut in, I mean, you figure Magnum has his accent, and then it's it's literally a year or two later where Sting starts to get those important matches to move up to where you know he was fighting Ric Flair for the title. You know, yeah, that's true. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and 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 one thing you said too about um, just being kind of taken aback by like how over you know, Magnum was, that's something that I think was, you know, I've always known this story, but the process of going back through all the archive, you really see not only did like he, he had the fans, you know, all Mm -hmm. the fans were just going crazy for him. You know, like the ladies are going crazy for him and everything, but you see these incredible matches. Like the dude is able to go toe and toe. Like he's tough as nails. He's able to be this sort of badass kind of street fighter, you know, at the same time yeah. as being a lady, like, like being a ladies man, you know, which is pretty sweet. Um, but I, one thing that's really great that you get to see in the episode is this incredible angle that they did, which is the best of seven series with Nikita Koloff, which to right. me is like such a great storyline. It's so, you just like, you're so invested in this idea of here's this underdog, you know, champion or champion to be, you know, Magnum TA who is going to, enter the seven match sort of tournament with one guy. And of course they started out where he's down three matches, you know, he's lost the three matches. Then they bring the people up and he's able to even it up to, you know, three to three, you know, and everyone's just, you know, going crazy for the final match. But of course it's Jim Crockett promotions. The heels always reigned supreme down there. So of course he loses um, and it creates this just nuclear heat, but it's perfect setup for him to have this chase, you know, uh, to eventually have a bigger, larger title run. But unfortunately, as we know, that never happened. Right. J- Jason, any, anything you want to add to, uh, to that lore of, of Magnum TA? Yeah. Well, like it, like his time was a bit before like Evan and I's, uh, like time of being fans of wrestling. So like sure. Evan was saying, it was like so cool to, you know, go through the archive and see the history and see like how over he was, um, was really cool. And like, for me, like, I just, I love like, um, seeing the, like the discovery of like a gimmick and like how he like came, um, (laughs) to, you know, that character that he would like become and using inspirations from like Charles Bronson and, uh, Tom Selleck and Bruce Lee and like putting them all together to make this gimmick that like, you know, I, we were struggling to like think of anyone that could compare in today's day and age. And it's, uh, you know, you can't really think of anyone that does. And so I think that's really cool. I think, um, what, like, you know, what the gimmick that he ended up with is, uh, is just, it shines like so much and it's, uh, yeah, it works so well for him. It does. And it was something where, you know, his, because he's based on the Tom Selleck Magnum PI sort of, you know, 80s action, you know, weekly television programming of the era, 
we sort of kind of ran with it style-wise. I'm not sure if it came through when you guys saw it, but we sort of leaned into the aesthetic of like an 80s made-for-TV movie or like movie of the week vibe, you know, because he has that story. You know, he has that story that you'd see like in a made-for-TV movie of a guy who was on that rise to become this big star, but then this car accident derailed his you know, his plans and he had to find, you know, meaning in life in a different way. It feels like a made for TV movie. Right. So, you know, and because he's got the connection with Tom Selleck, it's like, we felt like, well, maybe aesthetically we can kind of lean into that and make it feel like one of those eighties movies, uh, which we tried to do like, or like a biopic, you know, it's kind of the vibe of it. Um, but yeah, you know, like uh, Jason was saying, you know, we always love to get into that creation and inspiration mm-hmm. behind these characters and these gimmicks like i kind of think about season two we did the road warriors episode and i know we geeked out hard on how did the spiked <laughs> shoulder pads come together and how did they forge these you know in their garages and we just love that like the this diy sort of creation of these characters that are larger than life and are just you know just badass you know we just, we just love that yeah, I, I actually appreciate it because I'm, I'm, I, I imagine we may be around the same age. Like I wasn't watching wrestling when Magnum was a thing, but I definitely right. remember being into Jim Crockett and seeing him as a commentator and then them showing the footage of like the ambulance or, you know, all, all that stock footage of, of, of him going to the hospital, what have you. But it's yeah. it, the, watching this episode, it, it stuck out so much more to me that like Magnum TA, he may be the greatest. Is he, would you guys consider him like the greatest what if story in pro wrestling? I, you, you, you guys are, you talking about the research you're doing on shoulder pads. I imagine there's a lot of, just, <laughs> there's a lot of stories you guys have, have, have read throughout WWF, NWA, or what have you. Um, are, if, if he's not the greatest, who are, who are some of the other great what if stories in pro wrestling that you think would compare to, to what Magnum wow. TA wasn't able to accomplish? Well, there, there's a ton of them. Uh, Jason, go ahead. Are you going to say something? Well, I, I, I guess I was just going to say, like, uh, like it is, like, amazing when you see, like, how much was going to be put into, like, was built up into him and how much the promotion uh, was relying on putting him over and making him the champion and, like, all their eggs were just, like, in that one basket. And then when the tragedy happens they have to like figure out a way to like pivot like out of that. Like Mm -hmm. that is really interesting. Like, because it's like, you're setting up a storyline like for like a year on Mm -hmm. somebody. And then this, like the tragedy, you know, uh, yeah, it's like parts it. And then you got to figure out a way to like continue on. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like planning a movie, you know, Mm -hmm. and you have a star, you know, in mind for this role and, you know, you're putting all the effort into, you know, pre-production, getting it all ready. And then, you know, you're, you're like a lead star gets into an accident and can't, can't portray that character. But th- there are a ton of what if stories in wrestling. I mean, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the stories we cover on the show are profiling wrestlers who died, you know, way too young. I mean, you think even the premiere episode, Chris Candido, it's like, yeah, you know, he had this run and in, in WWE, he had this run in ECW and then TNA, but had he lived, I mean, you know, he's, I think he would be 51 now if he were alive. You have to imagine that he would have had so much more that he would have been able to do. And I think the business would have caught up to him in, in, in a certain way, uh, because I think this business is more, you know, acceptable of his size and what he had to offer stylistically in the ring. Um, but also, you know, you talk about Magnum being just an ultimate what if, I mean, because he would have reached that world champion status, who knows 
you know, where it would have gone, you know, with him, what the, like, what are the runs he would have had? Would he have gone over to WWF, you know, into the nineties and who knows what happened? Yeah. I mean, he always said that he just wanted to have that one run with the title and then he wanted to drop it and do something else, but that never happens. Wrestlers never do that. <laughs> right, um, right. So I don't know if that would have happened. Um, yeah. And then just, just to nerd out for a second, I think the only other big <laughs> what if story that people talk about is, uh, is also David Von Erich is also I was another just big say one. The same. Yeah. 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 Is, is the idea of like, you know, the Von Erichs episode we did is our first season, you know, he died so young and he was just like, had the size, the personality, he had everything. And everyone talks about, you know, David Von Erich and Magnum TA is the two big, like, what if stories, what would have David done in like, yeah. you know, his late thirties, you know, like, well, what, yeah. have, what would he have done? Yeah. So, Same with Bruiser Brody too. Like there are so many matches people wanted to see, you know, like the we rear tease, the, you know, the Hogan versus Brody, oh, like, you know, right. yeah. to have gotten that and that being in the history books, like mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sure that would have changed, you know, wrestling. 100%. Sure. Yeah. 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 Jason, you brought up the Bruiser Brody episode. I want to say a thank you uh, for y'all putting that <laughs> together because, like, I heard the story for years, but I was never able mm. to get it like perfectly illustrated. So, you know, having this opportunity to say thank you, I just want to say thank you publicly. Um, oh, thank you, oh, thank you. That's like still <laughs> yeah. tough for us. Like, it's still my like probably my favorite episode. It's a great episode. It's, wow. it's probably the one that we because the nature of it being the like the the very first episode, the pilot, like we spent probably like two years just like researching that episode, like the most amount of time we've gotten yeah. for an episode. So we obsessed over it and obsessed over <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, we did. We did. It was, it was a chance to really spend an entire, almost an entire year, you yeah. know, on that, on, on, on making it, you know, we didn't have the burden of having to make all the other ones at the same time. It was the proof of concept. So we were trying to figure out what we're doing while we're doing it. There was a lot of heartbreaks. <laughs> there was a lot of yeah. uphill battles. There was a lot of craziness, probably the craziest, I think, experience we ever had making the show was making that episode because yeah, we were green and we're trying to figure it out. We had no yeah. experience working with wrestlers. And the and of course, we went right into the deep end with like right. territory era <laughs> carnies. Mm-hmm. We were trying to like work we're us and abuse us. By Abdul huh? the Butcher. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jump yeah. right to the thick of it. Yeah. Right. We had yeah. technical failings. We had disasters there was times where i was laying in the middle of of streets you know tears it was it was a hard hard road that first episode so i think it holds a special place in our hearts because you know that was it you know i I was just thinking too yesterday like um we got this when we spent time with bruiser brody's wife barbara who was amazing and she had like a storage locker still filled with all of brody's stuff and a lot of it felt like it was just the way he had it before he passed, like you'd open up a suitcase and it was just like his stuff in there. And there was a lot of things that we were really green about. Like, you know, we weren't as like in depth on like the history of like Japanese wrestling and Americans going over to wrestle there. And then you would see these like trophies that he would have. And these like just stacks of books and magazines, like from Japan. And it just, for us at that time, I just remember like, it being like a whole new world, like opening up in front of us. And he like had the Rivera sweaters and we're like Rivera. And then like, yeah, (laughs) super into like, you know, the, the, the history of the Rivera restaurant and just the culture of wrestlers going over there to, to perform. Um, it's just so fascinating to us. 
Okay. I said the mother load, it's the super mother load. I, I we 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 spend a lot of time talking old pro wrestling, but we the, the structure of our week and where our show sits, we're literally in between last night's NXT and tonight's AEW. But I wanted to ask you, Evan and Jason, are, are they, do you guys watch current pro wrestling? Are you guys up on what's going on today? Um, I'm uh, just basically the highlights. You know, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> It's, scroll it's, on Twitter. You know, when uh, yeah, <laughs> scrolling, scroll on Twitter. So. <laughs> yeah, scroll on Twitter or like I'll watch a pay per view. You know, like I'll, I'll definitely tune in for some of the some of the bigger pay per views just just to check it out. But when you're when you're like work is this almost 20, near twenty four seven. Sometimes the last thing you want to do is more wrestling. Um, <laughs> I hear you, I but hear also. You. You know, you know what I'm saying, but like, and there's a lot of it out there. There's a lot to watch, um, but um, for me, it's you know, I, I, I don't want to sound like a snob or anything, but I, I, I just love the magic of older gen, like older wrestling. You know, I, I still, yeah, I still, I still have a hard time watching it now, where it's like it's gone so far beyond the fourth wall that we're like in the fifth wall <clears throat> where it's like, you're watching it to see like what the writers came up with. And then mm. you're kind of looking to see the creativity of these moments in the ring that, they, that like guys have orchestrated or discussed prior to the match. I just really love the improvisational aspect of wrestling. And I love these crazy kind of larger than life, social outcasts, you know, from the eighties and nineties who fell into this industry somehow, because, you know, it was either become a wrestler or like, you know, work at the grocery store or like a mechanic, you know? And I just, I just love that. I, I love that era so much. And so any of the free time I have to watch wrestling, like I'm probably going to throw on like, you know, bash at the beach, you know, or sorry, the like, you know, great american bash 89 mm -hmm. or something you know and just soak that up yeah so yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm the same way like like now like i'm more intrigued to go to like some of the more like indie indie like shows like the more like True. smaller it is the more like right. uh fun I, I find it like last year like probably one of the best wrestling events i ever went to was in this bar in my hometown maybe like 50 people in there and i would say half the people in there had no idea there was wrestling going to be happening and there were like women who believed they were like they were trying to defend a smaller wrestler who was being picked on by a bigger wrestler and they were getting involved and people were eating their steak meals and wrestlers were like juicing and like falling <laughs> on top of their tables and stuff and it was like yeah it was amazing it was like just like a little bit of what i could imagine the taste of it was like in the early 80s 70s i will say i will say that one of the most amazing recent um, and I'll, I, and I, maybe I, I can get some hate for this, but the most amazing <clears throat> recent wrestling match that I saw was a few years ago. Uh, I was invited to go to, to game changer wrestling mm -hmm. and I saw the Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona match, uh, uh death match. Yeah. And I was right <laughs> in the front row. I was right in the front row. And, you know, we had, we had done the Nick Gage episode by that point already. It probably had already mm -hmm. come out, I think, but. I, you know, so I was, I was curious about the deathmatch vibe, like in the front row and man, I had no idea that that glass is actually flying at your face. Yeah. Like, like yeah. just, it's just, it's <laughs> coming for you. I looked over and there was this woman sitting next to me and her leg was cut open from it. You know, and I'm like, holy shit, this is no joke, but the heat 
the heat that and, and, and she was loving it by the way she was like mm-hmm. this is not like a lawsuit scenario she was like badge of yeah. honor <laughs> and uh you know and then and then like the heat that was generated from matt cardona winning that match and every mm-hmm. single person throwing the trash at him you know you've seen the clips but yeah. it literally being there in the room it wasn't this feeling of like everybody having fun with it where they're where where they're like yeah boo Matt Cardona you suck it was people mm-hmm. were red faced angry uh, like that, <laughs> that 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 Nick Gage had lost this match and there mm-hmm. like there were people who were just like despondent and I had never seen people getting invested on that level and just to, to feel the heat in that room really felt like a territory era vibe it had to have been you know right. um, you know Cornette's gonna kill me for saying that but it's true <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's incredible. I still, I still love how uh, Matt Cardona just stokes the flames of the internet wrestling community. It's, it's one of my favorite love things it. to uh, to witness. He's the best. <laughs> yeah. He's so good he's, at it. He's so he's good. So at it. good. Evan, yeah. Jason, thank, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really, really looking forward to the uh, the rest of season four of Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, before you go, uh, and and without spoiling anything, of course, is, is there an episode that's that's coming up this season that? either of you are looking forward to most in terms of you know the the audience consuming marty yeah. Gennetti in the house mj yeah yeah okay yeah that's the one i'm yeah. waiting for i was always that's team a- marty over sean Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Damn. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yes. Totally. Wow. Totally. 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 Absolutely. Hundred percent. Yeah. Marty Jannetty. It, 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 it's it's definitely an episode you're not going to want to miss. It was one that you know when we were working on season three, we were finishing it up, um, or we were written middle of. I can't remember where we were. We were working on it. And that's when the news broke about this crazy story that Marty had put out there that he had killed somebody once at some point in time. And it was just just like, what is going on? And so that's when anything in modern wrestling or any sort of modern controversy that explodes online with wrestling and in the bubble, you know, you can expect the dark side memes and the, you know, fan edits and everything, which we love, you know, we love seeing that stuff. It's very fun, but people were just went crazy with that with Marty. And so for us, it was like kind of this thing of like, Oh my God, like what would a Marty Gennetti episode look like? And then we realized, you know, it can't be just this thing where we go, we show up and we interview him for an hour or two, it just wouldn't be right. So we actually wound up spending four days with Marty and really wow. immersing, like, you know, really immersing ourselves in Marty Jannetty land and trying to kind of get to the truth of that, you know, of him and his truth, you know, because I think the episode is largely about obviously him being kind of the underdog out of the two in, in the rockers, his rise with Sean. But it, I think a lot of people are also going to find, you know, that this is a, largely about his time after the spotlight. And how he's chasing right. that notoriety. He's chasing that by any means, whether being provocative, you know, fabricating things, creating his own universe. So I think we've landed on the perfect title for that episode. Um, it's called The World According to Marty Gennetti. So I think everybody's <laughs> going to want to tune in for that. And I think you're gonna, everyone's going to have to kind of decide for themselves on, uh, you know, what's truth and what's fiction in that story. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to oh, be a good man. one. That's awesome. that's a hell of a tease, and I'm I'm even more excited now. Evan, Jason, anything else uh, you guys got going on that you want to tell the people about? And and where can everyone follow you on on all, kind of all of these social networks? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can uh, you can follow the show um, at uh, Dark Side of Ring on Twitter or at Dark Side of the Ring on Instagram. I'm at Evan Husney on both, and Jason is at Jason Eisner on both. And yeah, we're uh, you know pretty focused on getting season four finished. It's actually not finished. Uh, we actually deliver these episodes like just a couple weeks each one of them before they air. So <laughs> we're kind of in a mad dash to do that. So we're pretty much focused on making sure the show is going to hit the air dates. Um, yeah. But uh, after that, stay tuned. We do have some things, other things lined up. Uh, nothing of which we can announce yet, but I know it's going to be if you're if you're into Dark Side of the Ring, you're going to want to be, uh, you know, paying attention to what's next. So there are, there are a couple of things coming up. So pretty exciting for that. Perfect. Well, guys, thank you, thank you again so much for coming on the show. And we really, really hope to have you on again soon. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. Right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And before we get out of here, let's hit on last night's NXT and tonight's upcoming dynamite. Let's each pick the biggest thing that stood out to us from NXT. And then we'll pick one to kind of talk about more in depth. Cal, kick things off for us. What was your biggest NXT takeaway? Damn, I think it's, I'm going to have to say Braun Breaker calling out Seth. Yeah, Brian, what do you <sighs> have? That was it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Me too. That's there's so much on that show, but like in terms of like the the, the thing that I'm left with, I'm like, damn, like I oh, I like respecting the champion. If this man is the world heavyweight champion, he's going to be on Raw. Does this mean that Braun is going to be going to Raw to if they have a match? Because I don't know if I don't know how much like I it's going to be a ratings boost. It's going to be a moment for that that's that segment. If and when Seth walks through and is in the NXT house with the title, they're chanting and they're singing and everything. Like that's going to be a moment. I don't know if I want to see that match on NXT. I would much rather see Braun Breaker have that moment on Raw. Am I wrong? That's that's interesting. I, I, Brian, I'm interested in your take on this. I think I'm leaning towards. I'd want to see it on NXT. I, I want to see Seth come home with a different title, with a bigger title, and do it in there. Almost because his fighting champion stance is great. Yeah. And you could have him defend the belt twice that week, right? He could still do it on Monday because he's obviously building something with Finn, which would, that's going to be a complete banger. But to go basically on the road and defend your title is, I think, much more interesting to me then defending it kind of having Braun come up because then he's all when you know when you travel or when you're on the road when you're the road team you're mm-hmm. the automatic underdog i'd like to see seth be the, like have even a hint of a thought of him losing the title to braun on on uh, in general but i think that would slant a little bit more towards braun if seth were to come to uh to nxt, to NXT. brian what, what do you think yeah. Man, this this is why I love Wednesdays, and this is why I love doing the show. <laughs> See, like when it, it's cool when you do shows with people, but I don't know how many other people on the Ringer Network can say like they legit do shows with people they're fans of. Like I, <laughs> um, stop like I'm legit it, stop fans it, of stop Ben it. and Cal. Putting us over. Here's the stop thing. It. I love you, To add, I love exactly what you just said, Ben. Like everything, and I'm gonna add to this. It's kind of Ric Flair like, where mm-hmm. you mm. imagine the match that they're going to put on, Braun is going to look like a million bucks and he's going to come close. Roman, what people don't look at is Roman has been doing this through this title reign. Logan Paul, mm-hmm. 
Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar, Cody Rhodes. Gets you to the point where it looks like, wait a minute, they might beat him. You know? Yeah. There was complaints yeah. that, and Seth Rollins has said, like, every time somebody loses to The Fiend, they would lose something of themselves, mm-hmm. right? Seth Rollins isn't going to do that. He's going to prove why he's one of the best in the world, why he is the workhorse, why he holds that beautiful championship. And I think taking this to NXT benefits, it does boost the ratings. Yeah, it would be cool to see it on Raw, but he reminded him he was the first champion. And he says he's the most dominant champion. That's the reason why. So it's respecting the championship, but it also puts everybody's eyes from the locker room and said, okay, Seth, Seth Rollins is the standard of NXT. How do we get Ooh, there? And they get a front uh, row seat. Yeah. Yeah. When, see, I, I, I'm old. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, like I said, that's why I started. I, I like respecting the champion. But when, when Ben said bringing the title back home, because you're right. I mean, Seth was really seen as an original. You know, when, yeah. when, when, when they yeah. started making NXT, what, it, what people remember for it. Seth was back there. So it, it would be, and I think to Brian's point, if Seth wants to pull the Ric Flair card and be like, bet I'll come to your hometown and beat your ass in your hometown. <laughs> I, I could see Seth do, I could see Seth cutting that particular promo with like, you know, a feather boa on. But uh, I do like the idea of Seth traveling with that title and fighting champion is key fighting that that word fighting that phrase fighting champion means Mm -hmm. something and if you're gonna say it you might as well be it so yeah i like that i like that i i'm excited for the match either way whether it happens on raw or nxt uh and again looking like six months ago if i said i was excited about braun breaker getting a (laughs) world title shot uh, I might have slapped myself in the face. So, you know, I, gotta, I love it. It only took team, you 21 episodes. Plus right, some, yeah. Yeah. Dark, some, some yeah. dark matches. Yeah, yeah, Team, let it play out. I think I'm joining. That's we have a t-shirt? Funny. Uh, I'm, I'd, I'd like to be in. Looking at tonight's AEW Dynamite, what's the one thing you're looking forward to most? Brian, what do you got? Man, Orange Cassidy versus Swerve Strickland. I think we could get a new AEW international champion. Damn. I think it might be. I think it might be. I also have that. Cal, what do you have? Uh, I've been waiting because uh, I'm I a Ricky Starks fan and I know what Jay White can do. I've been waiting for like the Ricky Starks Jay White match. Hopefully they've been building this feud. Hopefully they're going to give them some time to really wrestle uh, this week. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh I that's what I because I I would love to say the other match, but I I don't know if Orange Cassidy's been winning and Orange Cassidy's been doing great. Mm-hmm. I don't know if if this is the time where Orange Cassidy drops that title. So uh, mm. now let me let me let me see if Jay White and Ricky Stars can 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 bang on the TV so I don't get too frustrated this week. Those are those are two good. Those are those are two good ones. I by the way, how many Tony Khan announcements are we gonna get? <laughs> Before a collision, is Forgot it just a once a week it. thing? What's, what, what, what's betting with Ben? What's the what's the over under? Let's see. What, how many weeks do we have until? So it's the seventeenth. This collision one week yeah. from Saturday. Yeah, one we're, we're right Saturday. there. Oh. So he's definitely going to make another announcement next week. <laughs> I, <laughs> On I, the go home should, show, a go what, home what, announcement. What was he? Oh. What did he say? What the announcement for the, tonight's supposed to be? No, 
He never does. It's just Tony Khan has an announcement. We know it's in Chicago. We know CM Punk. Is it going to, it's got to be like a main event? Like, or is it? Oh, I think it's the main event. I think it's the main event. Uh, Because if if you're just going to tell me, you saw on the the poster, but you know, Thunder Rose is here. Like, you know, at at some point, like, you know, you're just fishing for uh, a couple of minutes on TV. So I I hope if he's announcing something, I hope it's something that we didn't know about. And it's, it's going to get people talking. I guess it worked last week. Uh, and and the I, previous week, so maybe did it work? Maybe did he, it work? maybe I'm being an asshole, and he's too. No, I I, think, I'm open I, to that. I feel like I'm an asshole because, like, I know that we all know that CM Punk was going to be on that show. So my man's saying, "Hey, CM Punk's going to be on Collision." It's like, yeah, we 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 heard about this months ago. Like, we're, nothing is shocking. Nothing, nothing. Uh, give me some news. Mm-hmm. Give me some news. Sorry. Cut that cut that clip, Brian. Cut it. Just Cal saying, give me some news. That's a great, that's a great meme. Uh, guys, that is how you do Wednesday. Be sure to check out our other Ringer Wrestling Show offerings because we are coming to you every single day of the week. We've got the Mass Man Show with David Shoemaker and Kaz on Mondays and Thursdays. We've got Cheap Heat on Tuesdays and Fridays with Peter Rosenberg, Stack Guy, Greg, and Dip. And you'll find Wednesday Worldwide smack dab in the middle on, of course, Wednesdays. If you're not already, be sure to follow us, subscribe, and hit us with those five-star ratings here on the Ringer Wrestling Show feed. Cal, Brian, tell the people where they can find you on the socials. I'm at Cal on Twitter, at Cal Double on IG. But you already know, and Brian H. wants to tell you more, at Ring of Wrestler, at, mm, at Ring of Wrestling, hashtag Ring of Wrestling, wherever Ring of Wrestling is at. Yeah, like you said, Ring of Wrestling, TikTok, we got content. We got content. But yeah, follow me at Brian H. Waters on all social media platforms. And yeah, let's talk wrestling. Let's do it. And you can find me at Cruise Control. It's Control with a K on Twitter, Instagram. But follow the TikTok. The Ring of Wrestling TikTok is uh, it's doing its thing. So mm-hmm. shout out to, to Brian H. Waters for all the fire content he's throwing up on there. And keep sending us your uh, your your pictures of Prime, your pictures <laughs> of uh, oh, oh the Ring of Wrestling belts and rings that y'all are using yes. on WWE 2K23. It's it's dope to, to see, and we geek out every time someone sends it to us. It's, it's fantastic. But gentlemen, thank you as always for the Graps chat. Everyone else, we will catch you next week. Worldwide?